Well, let's begin today's lesson with the key underlying principle that's the foundation to this current series of lessons on the life purpose of fellowship. Fill in a few blanks there in your notes. When you come into a personal relationship with Christ, you also come into a personal relationship with other Christians. When you come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as the forgiver and the leader of your life, you also come into a personal relationship with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Belonging to a local body or family of believers is as much a part of being a Christian as belonging to Christ Himself. Perhaps one of the best illustrations of this one another, this fellowship purpose, is found in the most common symbol of Christianity, and that is the cross. As you know, a cross is composed of two pieces of wood, isn't it? One that's vertical, one that's horizontal. The vertical stake pictures our vertical relationship with God. That Jesus died to bring us into a right relationship with God. Colossians 1 verses 20-22 tells us, it was through His death on the cross that God did bring the whole universe into a right relationship with Himself. Once you were estranged from God, but now the situation has changed. God has changed your enmity into friendship with Himself by the incarnation and death of His Son and has thus brought you into His own presence, dedicated, innocent, and blameless. On the other hand, the horizontal crossbar pictures our horizontal relationships with others. That Christ died to bring us into a right relationship with one another. Ephesians 2 verses 14 through 16 explains it this way. For Christ Himself is our way of peace. He has made peace between us by making us all one family breaking down the wall of contempt that used to separate us. By His death, He ended the discord between us. He fused us together to become one. And at last there was peace. As parts of His body, the church, our anger against each other has disappeared. For all of us have been reconciled to God. And so the feud between us ended at last at the cross. So I guess you could say we're, we're focusing on this horizontal crossbar together. And we've begun this new series of lessons, how to really love one another. Based on some of the 59 one another passages in the New Testament, we're taking a closer look at how real love is to be demonstrated within a community of believers such as Springville Church of the Nazarene. Our end objective is to sharpen our fellowship skills to the point that what the Apostle Paul said of the church in Thessalonica could also be said of Springville Naz. Your faith is growing more and more and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Uh, May that be us. How to really love. One another. Last Sunday we looked at the first key one another command, members of one another. 
and how to develop authentic relationships in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. Well, continuing today in that same passage, Romans 12, we're going to focus on the second one another phrase here in Romans 12, verses 9 through 21, as we learn the secret of how to connect deeply with others. Perhaps the key verse in this text is verse 10. So let's read it out loud together as we begin. Read it with me, would you? Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Boy, don't miss those words. Be devoted to one another. That's the heart, I think, of today's one another lesson. Now before we work our way through today's text in Romans 12 and discover what it means to be devoted to one another, let's stop right here and let's ask God to speak clearly to us this morning. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come humbly to Your Word today with a sense of expectation and anticipation because we know there's always nuggets of truth that You want to teach us that will change our lives. So help us to listen. Help us to learn. Most of all, help us to live what we listen to and learn about today. For that's our prayer in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Yeah. Okay, we've already read through today's text in Romans 12, 9-21 in the video a moment ago. So let's just dig right in and break this down verse by verse and phrase by phrase. Beginning with verse 9. You have your Bible open? Follow along. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Now, notice how some other versions translate or paraphrase this very same verse. The English Standard Version. Let love be genuine. Abhor. I like that word. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. J.B. Phillips. Let us have no imitation. Christian love. Let us have a genuine break with evil and a real devotion to good. William Barclay, your love for one another must not be superficial or pretentious. You must hate everything evil and you must give your unshakable loyalty to everything good. So what's the Apostle Paul saying here in verse 9? Simply, when it comes to our loving one another, our love must never be an act. In fact, the the root word here in the Greek is the word from which we get our word hypocrite or hypocritical. Our love cannot be hypocritical. We cannot be fake or, or pretend to love one another. Our love must be real, not phony. Rooted in our commitment, as Paul says here, to everything that is good, we must never love just for show. That brings us then to verse 10. Look at it again with me in your Bible. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another 
above yourselves. Wow. Notice how some other versions translate or paraphrase verse 10. God's Word. Be tenderly devoted to each other like a loving family. Excel in showing respect. I like that. Excel in showing respect to each other. William Barclay. Your devotion to each other must make you one loving family. In fact, you should lead the way in honoring one another. Isn't that great? Lead the way in honoring one another. J.B. Phillips. In the church, we must have a warm, deep affection for one another as family members. And a willingness to let the other person have the credit. Now this brotherly love that's described here, it's actually the word Philadelphia, is a warm and a tender, affectionate emotion, really. Kind of like what a husband and a wife share with each other. Now, I'm not going to judge your marriage, but I'm going to go back and say when they're standing on the stage exchanging their vows, okay? I've been there many times on hundreds of weddings and... There's nothing like that moment where I have them turn and take each other's hands right before they repeat their vows to one another and you just see it in their eyes, man. It's there. It's like boom, 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 boom. You know what I'm saying? It's the same kind of love that that a parent would feel for his or her children. Springing from this deep, Moving sentiment is a desire then to respect or esteem, to bestow honor, to put the needs and the interests of the other person before your very own. Which brings us then to verses 11 through 13. Look at it with me in your Bible. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Most a bunch of commands right there, huh? <laughs> Notice how some other versions translate or paraphrase these same three verses. The message says, don't burn out. <laughs> Keep yourselves fueled in a flame. Be alert servants of the Master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in the hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive. I like this. Be inventive in hospitality. William Barclay. Your zeal must never flag. You must keep your enthusiasm at boiling point. You must always be serving the Lord. You must be filled with optimistic joy. You must meet trouble with the power to pass the breaking point and not to break. You must persevere in prayer. You must share what you have with others in God's family. Your brothers and sisters who are in need. You must be eager to open yourself to practice hospitality. One more. Contemporary English. Never ever give up. Eagerly follow the Holy Spirit as you serve the Lord alongside others. May your hope be the source of your joy. Be patient in times of trouble and pray, pray, pray. 
Be aware of other Christians' needs and help them out as much as you are able and invite others into your life and your home. So what is the Apostle Paul really saying here in verses 11-13? through 13? I think it's pretty simple. He's telling us we must intentionally search for ways to enthusiastically and wholeheartedly get involved in each other's lives. To serve one another. Now, that doesn't come naturally or easily for most of us. That's why Paul says here, you've got to prayerfully stay after it. Pray, pray, pray. Taking the initiative, hear me? Taking the initiative without being asked. Hmm. Inventing creative avenues to meet one another's needs. Looking for ways that we can open up our lives to each other seven days a week. Let's skip verse 14 for just a moment and go to verses 15 and 16. Look at them with me in your Bible. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Again, notice how some other versions translate or paraphrase these same verses. The Living Bible. When others are happy, be happy with them. If they are sad, share their sorrow. Work happily together. Don't try to act big. Don't try to get into the good graces of important people, but enjoy the company of ordinary folks and don't think you know it all. (laughs) J.B. Phillips. Share the happiness of those who are happy and the sorrow of those who are sad. Live in harmony with one another. Don't become snobbish. (laughs) I like that. But take a real genuine interest in the ordinary people around you. Don't become, oh, listen to this, don't become stubbornly set in your own opinions. Mm. One more. New life. When others are happy, laugh with them. When others are hurting, cry with them. Live in peace with each other. Don't let pride get in the way of loving others. Be content with ordinary people. After all, you yourself are one of them. So quit thinking and acting like you are always right and God put you in charge. I think we could summarize verses 15 and 16 this way. We must make every effort possible to be empathetic. You like that word, empathetic? I like that word, empathetic. Walk in someone else's moccasins. Yeah. Make every effort to be empathetic with everyone without partiality or prejudice. We must be sensitive to one another, willing to respond appropriately to each other's circumstance without showing favoritism for one person over another, but trying to treat each and every individual in the church with dignity and equality. 
Now, we'll come back to verse 14 and then verses 17 through 21. Look at it with me in your Bible. Verse 14, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Down to verse 17, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it's possible, I like this, if it's possible as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now personally, I like the way the message paraphrases these verses. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Boy, did he nail it there or what? Don't hit back. Discover the beauty in everyone. As much as you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our Scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he or she is thirsty, get him or her a big gulp. A drink, okay. Your generosity will surprise them with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Instead, get the best of evil by doing good. Yeah. Okay, here's the bottom line, I think, in these verses. Relationships don't always work the way they're supposed to, do they? We all know that. Conflict is inevitable, isn't it? So when community breaks down, when fellowship falters, and it will, we must be willing to do anything and everything that we possibly can in our own power to extend grace to others. To build bridges, not walls. To be a part of the solution, not the problem. To be a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. To seek resolution, not revenge. Man, those are some great verses, aren't they? Yeah, great. That's a look at today's text, Romans 12, 9 through 21, which leads us then to draw some conclusions. So what? I mean, how are these verses in Romans 12 relevant to Springville Church of the Nazarene right now, here today? What are some specific ways we can apply this command to be devoted to one another to our lives, individually and congregationally? Well, as we consider how to connect deeply with others, let me offer you these five conclusions from our text today. Number one, connecting deeply with others requires a common objective. Connecting deeply with others requires a common objective. What is that common objective? Well, verse 9 tells us we're to hate what is evil and cling to what is good. 
Sounds like a pretty good common objective to me. You see, the deepest relationships are built when both parties are pursuing this common objective. When two people are of one mind and purpose. When they are pursuing personal holiness and practical godliness. When they are yoked together in a spiritual quest. That takes the relationship to a deeper and a higher level. Certainly connecting deeply is hindered, if not haltered, when one individual is passionate and enthusiastic about following Christ and the other individual is passive and apathetic about spiritual matters. Does that make sense? We've got to be on the same page. Pursuing holiness and godliness together. When we are in the yoke together in pursuing that common objective. Wow. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 14 and 15 warns us, don't become partners with those who are not sold out for God. I mean, how can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? That's not partnership, that's war. (laughs) Is light best friends with dark? Does Christ go strolling with the devil? (laughs) Do trust and mistrust hold hands? And you reply, well, no. Of course not. And that's exactly what Paul wants you to reply. That doesn't make any sense. See, the point here is that we must be of one mind and one purpose spiritually. The deepest relationships are built between those who have that common purpose. I am going to... to hate what is evil, I'm going to cling to what is good, and we are going to work arm in arm and side by side, holding hands with one another to pursue this common objective. I want personal holiness. I want practical godliness in my life. I want to be like Christ in everything I do and say and think, and so do you. And when we are together in that common objective... Wow. So first... Connecting deeply with others requires a common objective. Number two, connecting deeply with others requires mutual respect. Mutual respect. Once again, Romans 12 and verse 10 tells us to honor one another above yourselves. The deepest relationships are built when both parties' greatest desire is to bestow honor to add value to the other party. Think about that for a minute. When two people are trying to outdo one another in showing respect, that's actually the more literal translation here of the Greek. Outdo one another in showing respect. When each person's eager to put the other person first, that attitude goes a long way toward deepening that relationship. Paul summed it up this way Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. In fact, let's read this one out loud together. Would you read these verses with me? Never act 
from motives of competitive rivalry or in the conceited desire for empty prestige. Instead of that, each of you must humbly think the other more significant than himself. Each of you must concentrate not on his own interests, but on the interests of others. Man, if we did that, If it was your if it was your desire to outdo everybody else here in the church in showing respect and honor I'm going to be the best man I'm going to excel at showing respect to others I'm going to add value to other people's life this is not about me this is about everybody else and I am going to make them special man I am going to pour into them I am going to do everything I can to add value to their life if every one of us had that attitude can you imagine won't be a better place oh man so second connecting deeply with others requires mutual respect number three Connecting deeply with others requires intentional effort. Intentional effort. I mean, whatever else we may learn from Romans 12, 11 through 13, certainly we learn that deep relationships don't happen automatically or accidentally, do they? I mean, I think some people think they can just come to church and sit there. And either in due time or suddenly something magical or mystical will happen to them and they are zapped into the blissful state of agape love (laughs) where we join our arms together and sway back and forth and sing Kumbaya, Lord. That didn't happen that way, does it? The deepest, most meaningful relationships are built when people, hear me on this, when people take the initiative themselves. When people pay the price in time and energy. When people just stops just sitting in the pews staring at the back of other people's heads Sunday after Sunday and realize that true fellowship happens outside the context of Sunday morning worship. We're not here for fellowship today. I mean, you guys love each other and I can't ever get your attention when you greet each other. <laughs> and, fr- and frankly, I love that. But you know what? This is not really where fellowship takes place. Besides that, we're really not here. So I mean, yeah, we're here for one another. I, I will say that, but not really. We're, we're here for who? The audience of one. That's why we're here today. To worship Him, give Him glory, and to listen to what He has to teach us. Right? Okay, just want to make sure you get that. Folks, we must prayerfully persevere at the daily task of looking for practical and creative ways to reach out to each other. We must practice generosity and hospitality. We must quit talking about our love for each other and actually start demonstrating love. For one another. Look at 1 John 3, verses 16 and 18. We know what real love is from Christ's example in dying for us, and so we also ought to lay down our lives for our Christian brothers. Let us stop just saying we love one another. Let us really love one another and show it by our actions. 
Love isn't going to happen automatically. It's not going to happen accidentally, folks. You and I, as individuals, we must take the initiative. It must be intentional. We got to go after it to make it happen. Love so third, that's right. So third, connecting deeply with others requires intentional effort. Number four, connecting deeply with others requires impartial empathy. Didn't know how else to say it. Impartial empathy. Once again, Romans 12 verses 15 and 16 explains it. One of the ways that we live in harmony with one another is to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And Paul says that this mutual concern for one another is to be shared, he says in the context here, without pride or conceit. The deepest relationships are often born out of the heartfelt compassion that embraces others without prejudice or favoritism. When one person draws alongside another person and selflessly supports him or her through a difficult time, that's where friendships begin that will last for a lifetime. Yes, even for eternity. In using the analogy of the body, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 24 through 26 describes this impartial empathy this way. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberant celebration. That's true in your body, isn't it? When I threw my hip out here recently and then injured it on top of that, man, every part of my body was yeah, was just like hurting right along with that hurt, you know? That's exactly what Paul says the body of Christ, the church, ought to be like. Walking in one another's shoes, taking on one another's concerns. Not saying, well, that's their business. No, it's your business too. Because that's the way the body works. So fourth, connecting deeply with others requires impartial empathy. Number five, connecting deeply with others requires amazing grace. Amen? Amazing grace. I mean, whatever else again we learn from verse 14 and verses 17 through 21 in our text today, certainly we learn that relationships don't always work the way they're designed. Conflict is inevitable. Somebody said, where two or three are gathered together, what? I'm in the middle. Yeah, well, there's a different version. Where two or three are gathered together, there's conflict. Oh, <laughs> I'm be real. 
When community breaks down, when fellowship falters, we have got to be willing to do anything and everything we possibly can to extend grace to others. The deepest, most meaningful relationships are overflowing with amazing grace. They are quick to forgive offenses. They are willing to turn the other cheek. They have learned how to repay evil with good, hatred with love, anger with generous, and curses with blessing. Now you think Paul's words are tough. (laughs) They're nothing like what Jesus said. In Luke chapter 6, look at this with me. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer. Is that where we usually go when somebody gives us a hard time? (laughs) Oh, sure. Yeah. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer for that person. Someone slaps you in the face... Stand there and slap them back. Is that what it says? No, it says stand there and take it. If someone grabs your shirt, gift wrap your best coat and make a present of it. If someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. That's the life of Jesus. Right? No more tit-for-tat stuff. Live generously. Help and give without expecting to return. Jesus says, I promise you'll never regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father, hear this, the way our Father lives toward us generously and graciously even when we're at our worst. Let me just stop there for a minute. Aren't you so glad that even when you are at your worst, God lives generously and graciously for you? That's the way we're to live toward others. Be easy on people. You'll find life a lot easier, Jesus says. Give away your life. You'll find life given back, but not merely given back. Given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. Man, those are some... I didn't say this was easy. What we're talking about here. Loving one another isn't easy. That's some tough stuff right there. Fifth, connecting deeply with others requires amazing grace. Five conclusions from today's study, Romans 12, 9-21. Five applications of what it means to be devoted to one another. Five requirements for connecting deeply with one another. It all begins with a common objective. Personal holiness and practical godliness. If we are pursuing that together... It will take our relationships to a whole different level. And there must also be mutual respect. Each trying desperately to outdo the other in showing respect and honor and adding value to one another's lives. And all of that takes intentional effort. It doesn't happen automatically or accidentally. 
And it's not going to happen just on Sunday morning staring at the back of the person's head in front of you. You're going to have to take the initiative. I'm going to have to take the initiative to make this happen. And it's going to take impartial empathy. Feeling, I mean really feeling deeply one another's circumstance and walking with each other through the good times, yes, but also the bad times. And it takes amazing grace. Extending grace and forgiveness and goodness even when someone offends us. Living the servant life. That brings us to a time of decision. <laughs> how to really love one another. This morning we've taken a closer look at Romans 12, 9-21 and how to connect deeply with others. As we wrap it up, I, I want to challenge you to join me in completing a self-evaluation exercise again this week. Some homework. Uh, because this is not about what happens here, it's what happens there outside these walls. So here's some take-homes. Notice, notice it there in your lesson notes. Kind of follow along with me. Self-evaluation exercise. Take some time. I, I encourage you to do it later today if possible while this lesson's fresh on your mind. Before you go to bed tonight maybe. To review the five connection points from the conclusion section of today's notes and use the following questions for self-evaluation. So there's five of them because there's five areas. Okay. First, with whom in the church do I share the common objective of personal holiness and practical godliness? Ask yourself that question. Who am I in the oak with that has the same passion to relentlessly pursue Jesus. To become like Him in all that we do and say and think. Who do you share that passion with? List a few names, if you can. What steps could I take to deepen this spiritual accountability? Secondly, how well do I do at putting others' needs and interests before my own? Eh, Don't pass over that one too quickly. Camp out there for a little while and ask God to search your heart. What can I do to deepen my respect for others in the church and to bestow honor upon them? I mean, look for creative ways to think about how can I add value to somebody else's life? Thirdly, how much time and energy am I giving to intentionally building community with my Christian brothers and sisters here at Springville Naz? I mean, intentionally taking the initiative not waiting for somebody to ask you, but you take the initiative to reach out. That's why I asked what are some specific things I could do to deepen these connections. And then fourth, where might favoritism be keeping me from being impartial and empathetic to others? Any favoritism? Well, let's watch that one, folks. How can I deepen my sensitivity to the feelings and needs of those around me? And then finally, how well do I extend amazing grace to others when they hurt me? Is there an offense for which I need to overcome evil with good to someone in the church? Think about that. Whoa, this is good stuff. (laughs) Man, this is good stuff. Let's close today's lesson by reading Romans 12 and verse 10 out loud together. One more time. Read it with me, would you? Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Oh man, may that be true here at Springville Church of the Nazarene.